Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Hey guys, it's Sammy J, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Let's Be Real podcast. I hope your day is going well. The holidays are approaching, and I just, I'm very grateful for all of you. And this week, I got to chat with the incredible Amanda Zuckerman, who is the co-founder of Dormify. She's Forbes 30 Under 30, and her story is really inspiring. And if you don't know what Dormify is, it's essentially your one-stop shop for everything college. We talk about building a business, being an entrepreneur, and so much more in this episode. I love you guys and thank you for listening. Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. I am so excited about this episode because I really want to talk about growing a business, being an entrepreneur, and also starting at any age because I feel like that's something that's so accessible to us now Mm -hmm. in the age of Google. Um, But I haven't seen you in so long. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been forever. I miss you. And um, hopefully we can see each other soon when you're back in New York. But things are good. Time is flying. Um, when you are an entrepreneur on that topic, it, we always laugh because it's like dog years in terms of days over here. So every day just feels like it's times 10. So something that happened last week, we're like, oh my God, is that a month ago? But all is good. I'm very excited to have this conversation. I know you co-founded Dormify in what year? It's funny because it's it's a couple of different answers depending on how you um, want to slice it. But technically in 2011, um, but I came up with the idea in 2009 when I was starting my freshman year. And then we really started to kind of like soft concept it in my sophomore year and then technically launched it 
by my junior year. And that was the year that I actually had dormified bedding in my apartment on campus. Coming up with a business, I know the main thing that's always important is to be passionate about the main topic that you're in. So how did you choose dorms and making dorms cute? Because it's a problem (laughs) that has been going around for a while, and you're the one that really took the step to make it a solution. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Of course. Um, Okay, so a couple of things here. So it's not only about passion. Actually, I would start with like centering a business idea around solving a problem Mm. because sometimes you might not be passionate about the business that you're building um, in terms of the subject matter. You might be passionate about like solving that problem. Mm. So I think a common misconception in starting a business is you have to like love whatever that is. Yeah. So I could have said like, I'm not that passionate about interior design, but I love being creative. I love finding something that you can latch on to. But um, I have seen a lot of successful people who are not technically passionate about a certain sport or an activity, but they see an opportunity that they're passionate about solving for. Um, Mm. So without going down that rabbit hole, I can tell you about my own experience. And my experience is that I was shopping for my freshman year dorm room, like everyone gets excited to do. And back then, which was a different world than now. And it wasn't that long ago. No, I know. It's crazy though. But try to like think about a world where Instagram and Pinterest did not exist and TikTok. (laughs) Social media did not exist when this was going on. So kind of like try to put yourself in my shoes there where you're going to physical stores Online shopping wasn't what it is today. You couldn't just find like an Etsy maker to find something very specific that you saw on TikTok or you saw on Pinterest or whatever. Um, So it was really challenging to find twin XL bedding that's required for college in styles that were really made for someone my age. And we, meaning my mom and I, quickly saw an opportunity and a white space in the market to totally like grab hold on because we were literally in bed bath and beyond. I remember it clear as day. Um, I was in New York city shopping because I had one day to do it. I was a camp counselor and I literally like on an off day came to the city to shop for my dorm room. And um, I was in the Chelsea bed bath and beyond and looking at the shelves, I was like, this is crazy. Why isn't there anyone who's making cute bedding for your dorm room? So I was kind of, nuts. And I decided to curate a look based upon pulling tons of different items from different places and really mixing and matching my future room look, which most people do today. It's just a lot more accessible to be able to find one thing from urban and one thing from dormify. So there's just so much more access, but I ended up mixing and matching a ton of stuff that I liked. And it all started with a urban outfitters pillowcase that I was really drawn to. And I built the entire room around it. And it ended up being a really fun, easy-ish process for my mom and I, because we're both creative. But we quickly saw when I went to move-in day that many other students and their parents were dealing with the struggles of how to set up a room and not only how to make it cute, but also like functionally, what do you need in your space? How do you rearrange the furniture to maximize the space? What are your hacks? So we wanted to sort of bring what we knew we were good at to other students and other families that were struggling. And hence the idea for Dormify was born. Um, But really it goes back to that shopping trip at Bed Bath where I was standing there and I really said out loud to my mom, we should design our own line of bedding. And she was like, 
okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, so that's amazing. I know like crazy. Now, that doesn't always happen, but you might be standing next to a friend or like a classmate and you see an opportunity to solve a problem and you're like, well, this is a horrible, horrible experience. Let me figure out how to make it better and let me solve it. And then someone bigger with might say, oh, that's really interesting. Like, I'd love to think about that with you or something along those lines, but happened to be my mom. Anyway, so um, that was my freshman year. Then my sophomore year, we actually put a blog up of all things dorm, all things college. Um, It was students like myself, friends of mine, friends of friends who were writing for the blog so that we could have some online presence that gave us some credibility to be talking about dorm decor. And most importantly, um, this actually served as our proof of concept. Of course, we quickly saw that people did care about what their rooms looked like. We got to gather um, tons of great images from these brand ambassadors that joined the brand. Um, And they ended up being a network of hundreds and hundreds of college students that I knew or were complete strangers to me because it just became this viral, like friends of friends of friends type of community, which was exactly what we were trying to do. Um, So once we had that proof of concept, we started working on what that brand was going to look like, how we were going to actually make product because neither of us had any experience in um, textiles and we weren't just going to go find some vendors that we could buy product from and put it on a website. It didn't exist. So we had to go make bedding ourselves. How do you go about making bedding? No experience. <laughs> yeah. So I can speak to some of the more like tactical ways that we did this, but more generally, it's about learning from experts in the space and immersing yourself in environments where you can really learn. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that and how we did it, um, there's a few different trade shows that happen all over the country, but there's plenty in New York. And We just walked the aisles and started asking questions, getting contact information. We didn't even have business cards, I don't think, at the time, but we were sharing the idea and selling the idea. And people were really interested in the fact that we were filling a niche and we were putting a brand around a very pivotal life moment. And um, there was a lot of interest because they knew that the back to school shopping moment is so huge, but no one was really owning that space. So um, I think the takeaway here is even if you don't have anything formal to share with someone, they'll remember your story. And it's important to be like pitching at all times. So if you come across someone who could help you down the line, whether it's with an introduction to a future contact that you need to meet or just like someone who has a lot of great historical knowledge on a certain subject matter, Make sure that you're making those connections and you have a, a way of staying in touch with people. And we were just selling the idea. Which is hard to do, which is a skill and an art in itself. What was your elevator pitch? Well, I think this all goes back to my original point of if you are not solving a problem, it's hard to get someone to care. So if it's kind of like a nice to have, like, I believe in this because it's a nice to have, I'm totally generalizing. It's a lot harder to explain why someone should care um, than if you like have identified a problem and you are creating a solution, even if it doesn't exist yet. Um, so that's why I think the elevator pitch, to your point, is really, really important because you have to grab someone's attention within, I don't know, less than 30 seconds, probably within the first 10 seconds, five seconds in which you're talking to them. Why should they care? How is this going to benefit them? 
And what does this look like? Is there a timeline? Is this real? So as you're building this company and you're in college, how did you balance the schoolwork as well as, you know, this is something it fills a need and it's you're creating a business and you can see potential with it. So how do you compartmentalize and be a student as well? If you talk to a group of founders, I'm sure people would have very different perspectives on this question, but I think it depends on what you're doing, right? So there's lots of people who have started incredible businesses where they have to just move really quickly in order to not lose the opportunity to be the market leader in whatever they're doing, right? So people might drop out, people might totally prioritize their business because if they don't do it now, someone's going to beat them to it. I wasn't in one of those scenarios where I felt like it was important to move fast. It was actually more important to build the brand slowly, mm-hmm. take advantage of the fact that I was on a college campus and like immerse myself in the audience that I was trying to connect to. Yeah, being in college was working for you. Right. <laughs> it was market research. For me, I would never not take advantage of being on a college campus. And like my senior thesis was actually something that I totally based off of a future endeavor for the business that was all based on like the give back component of the business. So I tried to connect everything that I was doing on campus with what would help my business. Now, I think what would be important to share here is what I would do today um, if I were going to go back in time and redo it. Something that I um, did not take as full advantage of that I wish I did was just making connections on campus. So Mm. building my network while being a college student is like the number one thing that I think no matter what you're going to do, whether you're starting your own business or going to work for someone else, like you hear it all the time, but it's so real. And having a mechanism to house your contacts, LinkedIn just doesn't cut it for me. Like I don't have a way to mentally organize um, in LinkedIn all these people that I know. You can come up with your own system, whether it's just a Google Sheet. And I have this now. I literally have a Google Sheet called Amanda's Network. And I have people that I meet, their contact info, who introduced me to them. Like I even have a drop down of, are they an investor? Are they a founder? Are they an operator? Like I just record this for myself so that when I'm thinking, oh shoot, I need to call someone to help me with this. Let me go reference my sheet and see who I could tap because otherwise I will not remember these people. Did you color code this Google sheet too? Oh, it's not like that level of OCD. Okay. Because that's just not me. I'm, I'm actually really unorganized, but this is my attempt to be organized. It sounds pretty organized. It's functional. Yeah. It's definitely functional. But my advice to this group listening is do this as soon as possible. My point is that I didn't do it early enough because I started this in the last couple of years. Now imagine if all of the connections that I've been building as a young founder have been captured in one place, I would probably have the right people to go to for every single problem that I need to solve. That's all really important habit to just get into at a very young age. Yeah, That would be my first takeaway. And then other things that you can do on campus is just utilizing and leveraging the opportunity to test out ideas. Yeah. I'm just thinking of my own university experience. We had a class where you could actually build your own business and it wasn't real, but it ended with a pitch. And just take advantage of those chances on campus because you don't have that type of built-in 
opportunity once you've graduated. So even if it's something that doesn't end up coming to fruition, at least you had the practice of like building a business plan or a pitch deck, and then you can apply that to something in the future. Absolutely. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about burnout, how you created so many different types of products without any prior experience, the future of Dormify, and so much more. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. 
she would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Something that I'm going through, and I don't know if you ever went through, was being a student and you wanting to take advantage of all of those opportunities and stay creative and keep building, but also navigating burnout. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're operating on different deadlines for different people, like, how do you not in this day and age? So I guess I was wondering if that's something you've ever gone through and how you've navigated that. I mean, it's definitely something that I still deal with today. So... I'll put myself in the college environment for a second, and then I'll talk about how I navigate this in just my professional life. But in college, I think it's so easy to want to do a million things. You're literally told, go try everything. This is your time to do all of these different things. You're never going to have the opportunity to, get, uh, opportunity to do it again. And you can stretch yourself really thin. Um, I think that's fine to cast a wide net to at least understand like what the opportunities are. Um, but I do think it's really important to try to like hone in on one or two things that you want to focus on, because especially when it comes time to reflect on your college experience in an interview setting, you don't want to say like, I've touched all of these things, but I haven't gone deep anywhere. Mm. It's always more attractive when a candidate can speak to something that they really sunk their teeth into and invested their time in rather than saying like, oh, I just wanted to put all these things on my resume. So I tried all these things. I think balance is important and no one's expecting you to do it all. Have you always had the entrepreneurial bug at heart or did this come about when you were going to college? I don't really know how to answer that question because I think it could be subconscious. But no, I was not the type of person who said, I want to be my own boss. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to figure out what I can do in order to do that. It happened just more organically. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of different paths. So you might be someone who goes through the college experience. They go into a training program or, you know, an entry level job and they learn quickly. I really don't like working for someone else. Like that definitely happens all the time. And they might say, okay, how can I work for myself? Mm-hmm. That's one path. Then there's someone who is like determined to be an entrepreneur. And um, that person could be searching for an idea to pursue. So even if you are one of those like entrepreneurial type people, you don't have to be the one that comes up with the idea necessarily. That's where your network comes in because you need to be in the right environments or ecosystems to be introduced to people who could use someone like you as a partner. All it takes is execution. Totally, totally. For me personally, like I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So Mm. my parents owned a business together. Um, It's kind of second nature to me. So it wasn't as daunting or intimidating to me because I just had that own. It's in your blood. Yeah, right. It's in my blood. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you say it. I'm very curious about product development because you guys have expanded. And are creating a variety of things, whether it's bedding, posters, lights. Yeah. What has that process been like? And how do you go about navigating something when you didn't have any background in it? It's a pretty crazy world. Um, We've learned everything along the way um, from great partners who have held our hands where when we didn't know anything. And I think 
that's really the most important point here is you develop relationships and relationships are the most important thing in taking your business from one step to the other. Mm. Um, this manifests in so many different ways, whether it's vendors that you build a relationship with that will um, help you when you're struggling, um, whether that's financially or operationally. And then you also have partners that will walk you through the ropes when you have no idea what you're doing, which was exactly the position that we were in. So the way that we did this, we actually um, talked to many different vendors because we had to essentially knock on doors and explain what we were trying to build until someone said like, okay, I'll take a chance and work with you. As you can imagine, we got a lot of no's. That's intimidating. We got a lot of no's. Like we didn't have a website. Um, All we had was a pitch and that's fine. Like you can totally approach these situations like that, but it's the same way that you approach fundraising. Like You might not have many results that prove out your concept just yet, but someone's going to take a chance on you because they believe in you. And that's all about building relationships, selling your pitch and um, personality, really. So we had someone agree to work with us and we only worked with them for a year. They were not the right partner to take us to where we are today, but they at least Mm -hmm. got our foot in the door. So perfection is the enemy of progress. I know comparison is the thief of joy, so progress would make sense for that one. I was thinking that phrase while I was trying to say it, but my point is Mm. something that I get up on a lot of the time is we're not trying to be 100% perfect. We're going to try to be 80% perfect, and it's all about making progress and actually getting things done that's more important. Something that's interesting that we did is we didn't have money to invest in the product that we wanted to order, inventory we wanted to order. Yeah. So what we started with was a product line of posters where we didn't actually have to invest in inventory up front. We found a printer that was going to just print the pieces on demand as they got ordered so that we only had to pay after something was sold. Amazing. So that's a really great way to get started, especially in low quantities, is um, almost like testing a small quantity of pieces and having um, someone who's willing to make like a small group of samples even just to get some product feedback and, you know, talking to your customers at all times, especially in the early days is really, really important. If you didn't have that Bed Bath & Beyond moment, what do you think you would be doing now? I think that I would probably, I think I would probably have gone into something in the hospitality world. Like I was always into creative and I was a graphic design and marketing major. So I already kind of knew that outside of Dormify, because I decided I was going to do these majors before Dormify started, I wanted to do something that was creative, art oriented. And then I wanted to also back that up with like the business understanding so that I wasn't, you know, just an artist or a designer, but I understood the business behind it. Um, but I've always loved like hospitality, meaning restaurants, hotels, like any sort of hospitality environment, bringing those spaces to life. So it is kind of similar to Dormify in a way of transforming a space to create an experience. It is. I'd probably be do- doing something like that. Or I would have taken over my parents' advertising agency. That was definitely something that was intriguing to me, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. Wow. It's it's so interesting how that one moment changed your entire life. I find that so fascinating. Can I add a fun fact? Because Please. 
even even though I was always interested in design, um, the truth is when I was little, what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a meteorologist on the Weather Channel. <laughs> That's so specific. I know. I wanted to be like a storm chaser in hurricanes and tornadoes and like I love the movie Twister. So why this is funny is because that's like my fun fact whenever people ask me what I wanted to be when I was little. Um, But then when I was in college, the one like random class that I could take because I was a double major, I didn't have a lot of time for um, like elective type classes. Mm -hmm. I took a natural disasters class (laughs) and it was like exactly what I needed to fulfill that desire that I had. So in college, take the fun classes that like could just kind of satisfy any sort of interest that you have because it was fun. Yeah. Random. (laughs) We have to take one more quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about the future of Dormify, the art of decision-making and so much more. We'll be right back. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. 
how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents she's got all of these maseratis and bentleys all in the driveway is it like a mansion yes it's a mansion that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. What are your goals and plans for Dormify in the future? How do you hope it to grow and expand and evolve? There's so much that we want to do with Dormify. I think first and foremost, being able to offer a wider assortment is kind of like, yes, of course, it's not like a huge idea, but we want to have more of a selection for, um, for guys, for more of a gender neutral type of aesthetic. Um, we want to collaborate with more brands and with more artists that we really have the most unique and exclusive assortment of products that you can't find elsewhere. We also want to get back into the pop-up shop world and be able to bring experiences in person to our customers. So whether that's in a store that's open for a few weeks or something that pops up for the weekend, um, we really want to connect in person. And ultimately, like where I want to take it is having like a shop in shop experience at a great retailer. So some of the ones on the top of the hit list are Nordstrom, the container store we actually partnered with last year. So that was a, a huge like check off the list was a major accomplishment. That's a big one. Yeah. And we're continuing that partnership this year, which I'm really excited about. But to be able to be like, a store within a store where a brand is featured in a huge retailer that doesn't have a big like home assortment that's dedicated to Gen Z. That would be ultimate. There's a lot. That's just the beginning. You're still at the beginning of it. And I'm so excited to see where Dormify evolves and grows. And because frankly, learning about this and getting your thoughts and guidance on what your story was is super helpful. Not just for me, but for the other people listening, because it can be so intimidating knowing where to start or how to start. Um, but it's yeah. really just finding a problem that you can fix. And it starts there. And knowing that is super helpful. Totally. And also keep in mind the like bad phrase that I coined about perfection. I need to have a better way of saying it. But the more that you strive to be perfect or to get something done perfectly, the slower that you're going to move and time is money. You have to feel okay and secure about the fact that it's not going to be to your highest standards of perfection. Um, but that's just going to hold you back. And what advice do you have for making decisions? That is something that I personally struggle with because I'm an indecisive person. Okay, I'm a very indecisive person too. So Okay, that makes me feel better. I am a very indecisive like. I, I'm I'm telling you when I'm out to dinner or something, I like really struggle to make a decision on what I'm going to eat. Like that's how bad it is. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but tell me more specifically like where you struggle and I can try to help impart some advice. I think it's the 
part of being confident within a decision and knowing that that's the right one I could have made for that time and not like not going back being like well that was that the decision I think that's one of the things that I struggle with most got it okay so you're saying that like you might be able to make the decision but you almost have like anxiety over whether you made the right decision correct so then that slows you down from actually making the decision because you're so afraid of like what if it's the wrong decision yes (laughs) yeah I mean that's like a really important skill to work on throughout your early professional career yeah. because being decisive is powerful, very, very powerful. Um, And I think I've learned a lot about that over the last few years, but making decisions equals progress. So overthinking something is just going to like weigh down on everything that's going on in your head. So it almost like inflates the importance of the decision a little bit. Yeah. You just need to learn from your decisions. So make the decision. Don't overthink it try to practice this with like things that are not a huge deal. So practice the quick decision making with things that aren't going to like make or break something big. And then once you get like the easy stuff out of the way, then at least you're creating more brain space for the things that are more involved decision making. Um, Think about the worst thing that will happen if you choose X over Y. And then if you're like, Oh, the worst thing that's going to happen is only this, like, okay, then I can at least make the decision, learn from that not being the right decision. But the more you kind of have that practice, you're going to say, okay, well, I'm comfortable with the fact that, yes, I learned now this decision might not have been the best approach, but I learned from it and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to use that in my decision making down the road. That's very helpful advice. I'm glad. I just need to do the mini ones, the little mini trials to get me through the big ones. Right? I have to all the time. All the time. Like, yeah. And I think like if you're feeling stuck on what to do, like walk away from it, come back to it once you've cleared your head a little bit. But psychologically, we compound so much stuff inside our heads. You just have to start crossing things off the list. Oh, I survive off of lists. You have no <laughs> idea. I write, my, I write everything down. It's the only way it gets done. Well, I hope you um, take my my networking Google sheet to heart and start that now. (laughs) I am starting this on my way back to school. I am going to be working on this. Good. And put me on it. I'm very excited. You're on my list, by the way, Sammy. You're on my list. Oh, my goodness. First of all, I'm honored, and I am going to go the extra mile and color code it, and I will send you a photo. (laughs) And I really appreciate you giving all this advice because I think mentorship is so important, and having that guidance is so knowledgeable. So I really appreciate you sharing and just being so candid about everything. Of course. I mean, I talk to college students all the time and I just want to help in any way I can. And that's really, I mean, when I think about what's next for Dormify, that's really where we want to take our ambassador program. So we have about 900, 800 or 900 ambassadors across the country. And I want to build this into a network where you're making connections at all times. So maybe you're a part of the Dormifam and you're applying all these internships for um, the summer between junior and senior year, and you're trying to find someone who has a connection to X. And how great would it be if you could just leverage this community of people that are like-minded um, but diverse, and you could find connections to the jobs, the internships, the the contacts that you need. So 
that's what we're hoping to build. That's amazing. You're you're really building a community, and it's really cool to see just how it's evolving and how it's growing and how cute it's all getting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And if anyone who's listening wants to join the program, um, you can apply on our website, and we'd love to have you. Go shop at Dormify. Support them. They're amazing. You know, it's very full circle that you said that you um, made your entire room after that urban pillow because yeah. I made my entire room freshman year around a Dormify rug. So I did that exact same thing. I remember it well. Yep. Sammy came into our showroom and she was like, Mm -hmm. here's the centerpiece of my room. How do we build something around it? And we totally mix and match things and created something really fun and unique. And that's why it was so fun to work with you. And it was just like so memorable because you had such a distinct style and aesthetic and I loved how passionate you were about it so I'm glad you liked your your first freshman room (laughs) of memories and I'm excited to visit and hopefully see you soon in person do our catch-up I know I know I'd love to thank you for taking the time I know how busy you are with your schedule so thank you for making this happen of course happy to do it so good to talk to you yay Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.